Today we're taking a, a break from the series on Paul, and we're talking about health, because I was told I need to talk about health, and so I like to do what I'm told when I can as much as possible. And so I'm actually stealing a illustration that Pastor Hyman used earlier this week with the kids. And so I have pictured here one of the most expensive cars. It's in the top 10. And I didn't spend a lot of time trying to decide which is the most expensive and all the rest. Uh, this one is priced very reasonably at just $13 million. Uh, it's a Bugatti uh, made in Germany. Uh, but if you keep digging, it's really just a polished up Volkswagen uh, as they're the parent company. Top speed of 250 miles an hour, so they say. And so let's suppose uh, you have this car or you've been given this car. There it is. That's the one I had in college back there on the left. That was the older model. It was really embarrassing to drive to work. But anyway, you get this car, you have the owner's manual, and I know as all of you men do when you buy any appliance, you pour through and you read the owner's manual cover to cover, right, Pastor Hyman? Oh, dear. But there's good information there. In fact, on the way here this morning, we were, in fact, going to be on time. And then I had a little notification that one of my tires was flat on our van. We've never had a car that would tell us any of these things. You just had to wait till you, you heard the rim. And I don't know. Anyway, so I got out at the first stop sign and I did the whole, you know, kick the tire thing. Well, I didn't have to look at this one tire in the back. He was really low. And so I got out. Well, before we even did that, the reason I'm telling you this story is that there was a symbol on my dash. I wasn't fully sure what it meant. And so, Elizabeth, what did you do? You pulled out, where did Elizabeth go? Anyway, she pulled out the owner's manual, and she says, oh, that means one of our tires is low. The owner's manual can be good to have around. In fact, it can be very helpful to pay close attention to the fluids that go into your vehicle. And some vehicles are very specific, only this kind of power steering fluid or whatever it might be, and if you just ignore the owner's manual on how to care for your brand new $13 million Bugatti Volkswagen, what will happen to your car? And you might say, well, that's too much of a pain to have to find my nearest Bugatti dealer. I'll just put in whatever fluids I want to. I can use some of this leftover oil that I found, you know, and I can pour in some of this other water and some of these other things. And, and I have some old sets of brakes that I didn't use on another car. I probably can just apply them to this car. And then they probably need to replace these tires every 500 miles or so. But I still have a lot of good wear on my truck tires. I'm sure I can install those on there. What would soon happen to this vehicle if you just ignored everything in the manual? And of course, you see where we're going with all of this. But it would be to the detriment of this car. And very quickly, how much would this car be worth in a very short amount of time? I've known individuals who have not checked the oil on their car, the lifeblood of the engine, and they're going down the road, and all of a sudden the heat indicator spikes, the whole engine locks up, and virtually the engine is destroyed, all because they didn't pay attention to the owner's manual. Yeah good illustration. We serve a creator God of heaven who created a beautiful world. And at the end of his creation, he made man in his own image, the crowning masterpiece, if you will, of creation. If anybody knows how our body best functions, 
I would think it would be the creator God of the entire universe, don't you think? But we have all kinds of other things vying for us to purchase and buy and ingest sugar and all the rest. I'm really surprised ketchup isn't up here. Is ketchup up here? Lots of sugar in ketchup. And God, it was, who took it? Somebody took the ketchup. (laughs) They needed it for lunch today. God tells us what is best for us. If we want optimal performance, if we want to reach 250 miles an hour, then we really need to put in and pay attention to what we put into our bodies. Garbage in, garbage out. You've heard that too. Okay. So at this mini medical school, and you heard all that they learned about the body system and how interconnected everything is, how color and food is important for vitamins and minerals, the importance of exercise, how to minimize sugar intake, how to read labels, how to avoid certain foods, and what things are actually poisonous to the body. Yet we have a culture and a society out there that says, who cares? Do what you want. If it tastes good, if it feels good, do it and enjoy it. You only have one life. Live it to the fullest. Have you known people that have taken that motto in how they live their life? If it tastes good, if it feels good, enjoy it. And they enjoy it for a season. But that season passes all too quickly. I really wonder if there could be such a thing as truth in advertising if you could show a product and then fast forward and show the end result of that product. Try this new alcoholic beverage. You'll be grabbing your toilet before morning. Truth in advertising. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Continuing on, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. Back to this stewardship idea that even my own body truly does not belong to me, but it is God's. It is what he wants to inhabit with his Holy Spirit. You know, if you were to calculate the worth of the human body, people have tried to do this. In fact, uh, and this is to sell parts of the body is not ethical, it's illegal, it's not even fully possible to get everything because we are so, in fact, interconnected. However, insurance likes to estimate and hospitals estimate. So if we were to calculate various parts of the body, it would go something like this. Your DNA is worth $9.7 million. Your chemical antibodies, $7.3 million. Your intestine, 1.1 million. Your heart, 1.4 million. Your liver, well, that's only 813,000. Kidney, 415,000. You got two of those. Lungs, 862,000 each. Pancreas, 347,000. If you're a woman, your egg cells over eight years is 214,000. If you add everything up, the value of the human body, $45 million. You are incredibly and wonderfully made at the hand of the Creator God. And at the end of the day, you cannot put a worth or a value on your health and on your life. Our bodies are, in fact, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are to glorify God in our bodies. We are to treat our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies belong to God, both through creation 
and through redemption. And so I do believe God cares about how we treat what he has given to us. So we have three diets in the Bible, if you will, or three categories. One is the perfect diet. And where would we find the perfect diet? It was already alluded to. They learned about it this week. Garden of Eden was the perfect diet. Fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, raw. If you want to feel better and feel better fast, go raw. God's diet. Second category, we have things that are permissible. Not necessarily advisable, but permissible. And thirdly, we have a category of things that are prohibited. So first, if we go back to this perfect diet, the Eden diet was a vegetarian diet. My wife oftentimes will take things to work. She packs a lunch because the things at work look more like this. And so she packs a lunch, and oftentimes she'll eat with some of her colleagues, and everywhere she goes, she has a reputation. What do you have today? What are you eating? How do you survive on that? And you call that, what? Lentils. What are lentils? I've never heard of lentils. Well, I don't know about, well, I'm a vegetarian. Well, I don't know about that vegetarian. How do you survive? How do you live? And it's just simply, you have to say, well, that was God's original diet, wasn't it? There was no killing of animals in the Garden of Eden, was there? And for some strange reason, the response is something like this. Huh, never thought of that. And then she can also say, and you know, in heaven, there's not going to be any killing of animals either. We're not going to be going around, oh, I'm hungry. Ah, pretty animal. Oh, and we're going to be eating the fruits. and the Well, I never thought of that. That was God's original plan. That is how we function best. And so we have here in Genesis 1, 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. That shall be your food. This Eden diet. Studies of 34,000 people reveal that men who follow an Eden diet have a life expectancy of 83.3 years and women 85.7 years, a remarkable addition of nine and a half and 6.1 years respectively as compared to the life expectancies of others. And you might sit there and you say, well, that's not too much time. It's just almost a decade for you men. That's a pretty long time. But never mind the fact that this is not even measuring at all. This is just until you die. Never mind the quality of life how you feel, what you're able to do. I'm continually amazed that people in this congregation, well into their 80s, and they're still very active, biking and hiking, horseback riding. I say, this is incredible. You know, I go out into the community and I see people hobbling around and they're only in their 60s and they're in all kinds of pain and and different things. Now, again, I'm not trying to, to make fun of anyone, but oftentimes it is because of preventable diseases and health issues. Keyword, preventable. It's stuff that they've brought upon or that we ourselves, because I'm guilty at times, we bring this upon ourselves with little things like, well, Oreos are vegan. (laughs) And so we, next thing we know, we've polished off the box. It was only after the flood that God gave human beings permission to eat meat But you will notice there was a decided change. Let's get to this picture here. This is under the permissible part. There's a decided change before the flood and after the flood. How long people lived and even how 
big and tall and strong and everything else they were, I think the people beforehand, if they saw us today, would laugh and say, what are all those little people running around? And I don't think diet is the only factor, but I certainly think it was a factor. They didn't live as long because of their habits of eating flesh meat and so forth. Genesis 7, 1 and 2, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou all thou house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. On every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female, and the beasts that are not clean by two the male and his female. And so if they were to eat the unclean animals, that animal would cease to exist. But of the clean animals in this situation... Since you're going to be in that ark a long time, I'm going to allow this to take place. Is that the ideal? It's not. Would we be better served today on a vegetarian diet that was closer to the Eden diet? Absolutely. Well, vegetables aren't perfect too. You know, they spray and chemicals and this and that. Well, there's things that you can do as as best as possible, but it's still far above and beyond, isn't it? And if you can do organic, even better. But here we have what's permissible. So clean and unclean animals are pre-Jewish, if you will. We don't have Jews at this point in time, but we have God's command here. Leviticus 11, 2 and 3. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which you shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall ye eat. So if they chew the cud, have a split hoof is another way to say it. And they have to have both. Some just do one, but they need to have both. Those are the beasts that you can eat. But moving on to what's prohibited then. Nevertheless, these you you shall not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that have the divided hoof as the camel because he cheweth the cud, but divided not the hoof. He is unclean unto you. And the hare because he cheweth the cud, but divided not the hoof. He is unclean unto you. And the swine, though he's divided the hoof, And it be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud. He is unclean to you. Now, this is a popular one. I know we're in the South, and I know people sometimes subscribe to the Roadkill Cafe, so we could talk about hares, and we could talk about possums and some of those other things. Even the pond that we're living next to now, they used to fish out of the pond to get snapping turtles, and they eat them, and they say they taste like chicken and five other parts of meat. But we're not going to talk about that this morning. We're going to look at this one because this is The more common one, if you will, beef, of course, would be clean under these directives, but the pig would be considered unclean. Uh, Before we get to more of the specifics of the studies, Psalms 84.11 is a very simple uh, thing that we need to recognize here. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, meaning he's a protector. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from them that walk uprightly. Let's just pause right there. Wait a second, you're about to take away my pork. I don't know if I like this. I'm feeling very uncomfortable with this. That's one of my favorite breakfast foods. It's my, one of my favorite things to put on sandwiches. It's my favorite things to put on pizza. And you're about to take it away. And now we're going to read this verse we just read in Psalm 84, verse 11. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Is God withholding a good thing from you? Is this in your best interest? Because you might be tempted to think, this is not in my best interest. I was studying with somebody. Now, you can't have green beans and not pour some piggy juice in there. That's what makes it taste good. No good thing will he withhold from them 
What health problems does pork pose? Pork is loaded with saturated fats and cholesterol. Is that good for you? No. Cancer in the pig's skin, kidneys, the lymphatic system, and other internal organs is common. Is that good for you? No. Pork products are regularly preserved with nitrates, which are known to produce cancer-causing compounds. Is that good for you? No. Pork contributes to numerous digestive and stomach problems. Again, not good for you. I had an uncle. He lived in the South. He was actually my grandmother's brother, and I never met him for a long time until we finally went down there with my grandma. We met him, and every night, part of his custom was to eat a fried, I mean, everything was fried. Breakfast was fried. Lunch, I don't know what he had for lunch. Supper was fried. If it wasn't fried, it wasn't edible. And every night, as his custom was, he got up and proceeded to throw up in the middle of the night. Every night, every night, every night, for literally 30 years, as his custom was. I mean, it's incredible the things that we put up with. And finally, my grandma came down, and she just gave it to him, man, only like a sibling could do. We're going to get you healthy, and we're going to throw this stuff away, and we're not going to fry anything else and all the rest. She brought in a juicer. She brought in carrots, and we started juicing carrots and fresh ginger and some jalapeno and all of that. And he's drinking this stuff. For the first time in his life, after 30 years of throwing up every night, indigestion, stomach problems, he slept through the night. He says, I haven't slept that good in 30 years. This stuff isn't good for us. God has a better way. Newsweek, September 6, 1999. It says, a few years ago, one nutritionist said, bacon wasn't technically a meat anymore. It didn't belong to any food group at all. It was a salty, nitrate-ridden, fat-laden, carcinogenic thing, period. I didn't say it. Newsweek said it. But essentially, now pigs can be cute, but they're garbage collectors. Now, I like garbage collectors. This week, I tried to avoid. I couldn't avoid it. I ended up running over a squirrel on my way home. I don't like that. You know, you're driving along, just trying to, and on, thump. Oh. Came back by about two hours later. I saw the vulture carrying the same squirrel off the road. I like garbage collectors. I don't like to see that stuff lying around forever and ever and ever. But I don't want to eat them. Dr. McNaught found that one of every four pork specimens had living trichinella larvae in it. Mmm. That's appetizing. Here you see pictures of coiled larvae and a nurse cell, a, a host muscle cell. I don't know about that. I don't think I want that in me. A single serving of infected pork, even a single mouthful, can kill or cripple or condemn the victim to a lifetime of aches and pains. For this unique disease, trichinosis, there is no cure. Reader's Digest. I don't want that. Do you want that? Aches and pains? How's your week? Not so good. I couldn't get any more aches and pains. With no drug to stop them, the worms may spread through the muscular tissue of the entire human system. Trichinosis can simulate to some degree almost any other malady. Physicians have confused trichinosis with some 50 ailments, ranging from typhoid fever to acute alcoholism. The pain in your arm or leg may be arthritis or rheumatism, but it may be trichinosis. Mmm... Some more stats. One out of every six of us have living trichina in us. One out of four pork products have live worms. You will eat about 200 trichina-infested meals in your life, and some places allow 28 worms per ounce. That's good. It's okay. 29's a problem, but 28, it's okay. Continuing on, Leviticus 11, verse 9. These shall you eat of all that 
or in the waters whatsoever have fins and scales in the waters and the seas and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. Now, I was a student missionary in the Pacific, and I love looking at all the things underwater and all the different life forms, all the different kinds of fish. Some fish look like they're clean because they look like they have scales, but they in fact don't have scales. The triggerfish looks like he has scales, but he has more of like a leathery, all one piece kind of skin. And in World War II, there were people that were stranded on these islands all over the place, and people were dying off because they were eating whatever they could find in the ocean, and they were getting, of course, sick and dying and all the rest. And so our government decided to spend literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to figure out what in the ocean is okay and not okay. I wish they would have come to me because I could have told them very quickly with one verse what is okay and not okay because they came to the same conclusion. How are we going to get people to know which is what? Well, if it has fins and scales, it's okay. Fins and scales. God's owner's manual knows what he's talking about. If it doesn't have fins and scales such as crab, lobster, shrimp, oysters, clams, don't eat it because they have a high level of toxicity, concentration of other things as garbage collectors. God is the divine expert who made and created us. He knows what he's talking about. Leviticus 11, verse 10. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. That's biblical language for no touchy. Don't do it. Oh, but pastor, there's nothing better. And you go into describe and this and that and all the rest. Okay. If that's what you want. But it's not part of God's ideal. It's not part of his plan. And you will pay. I feel pretty good. I didn't throw up last night. Awesome. But over time, it's not what you want to put in the engine. Headline here, 100 poisoned in province-wide shellfish scare. See, I don't worry about those kind of things. Unclean seafoods. In 1988, nearly 300,000 Chinese in Shanghai developed hepatitis A from carrots. Oh, thank you. It's clams. So maybe the only thing on that plate I should be eating is some of those, like, what is that, green peppers or some kind of garnish or something. But if I left the clams alone, I don't have to worry about hepatitis A. Pastor, I want hepatitis A. Give me the clams. Okay, knock yourself out. What about Peter's vision? This is referencing Acts chapter 10, 1 through 35. You remember Peter's vision? The sheet is lowered down. And with all kinds of unclean animals on it. I mean, we have rats, we have snakes, we have all kinds of things. And then this is what is told. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. See, there you go. Everything's permissible, pastor. We can have our rat sandwiches now. Leave us alone. I mean, have you ever had the pickled tail? Oh, so good. But if we keep reading through the account... It says, but Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. He says, I don't eat those things. And so he's confused about what this means. And then Cornelius shows up at the house and he recognizes the meaning of the vision. By the time we get to verse 28, it says, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The point of the vision not rat sandwiches. The point of the vision was the gospel was not just for Jews, but was for the Gentiles who believed, which is good news for you and I here today. There are some lifestyle practices which just destroy our bodies as well. And those were talked about some at VBS. This chart is pretty disturbing. Tobacco 
remains the leading preventable cause of death in this country and the world. Right up there at the top. You would think, well, tobacco was from the time of the past. No, it's still the leading cause. It causes all kinds of complications, and you can get it both in this form and the chew form. I have some great pictures of Pastor Ferguson. He had a mouth. I don't know where he got it. And he was putting some chew in there and chewing it up and talking to the kids and doing this little health lecture about it. It was incredible. And it was, it was nasty is what it was. All this stuff in his mouth and under his tongue. And you want to check something about, ah, you know, all this stuff. Learning about the harmful effects of this thing that we do to ourselves. Every cigarette you smoke takes 14.5 minutes off your life. That's a lot of life. And depending on how many cigarettes you smoke in a day or how many packs you smoke in a day, that adds up awfully quick. You could say it another way. By smoking, we are committing slow suicide. I don't have it on the screen here today, but there's also facts about for the hours of TV that you watch, how much time sucks off your life as well. Sorry to share that, live stream viewers. (laughs) Every cigarette you smoke increases your chance of getting lung cancer. Today, we know there are 29 cancer-producing chemicals in the smoke of every cigarette. A smoker's lung. Does that look like what you want? I mean, when you drive that car off the dealership, if you have something that looks like this, aren't you going to drive it right back and say, wait a minute, I got a smoker's lung. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know how that got in there. Tobacco use, this is from 2009, will kill 6 million people this year. One out of 10 deaths globally. Cost the global economy $500 billion a year. Kills one-third to one-half of those who smoke. Occupational exposure to secondhand smoke kills 200,000 people a year. Smokers die an average of 15 years earlier than non-smokers. So why do we do it? I just, it helps me relax. There are better ways to relax, I can assure you. And oftentimes, all these addictions, yeah, they might help you to relax a little bit, but you're getting farther and farther away from true rest and true relaxation. Nicotine causes the arteries to shrink. When arteries get smaller and smaller, clots get caught in the blood vessels, and then a stroke or heart attack happens, not to mention the fact that it affects your pocketbook. Cigarette smoking contributes to heart diseases, strokes, various forms of cancer, emphysema, premature births, poor circulation, shortness of breath. All of these are preventable. I mean, that's like saying, well, if you put water in the gas, here's what's going to happen to your car. Yeah, I know, but I just like a little water in there. Tobacco is the second most costly drug addiction in North America. The good news, when you stop smoking, because you might be sitting there thinking, it's too late. That's what my lungs look like already. What's done is done, right? Wrong. When you stop smoking, your lungs improve. Irritation stops. Inflammation stops. Congestion stops. Dripping mucus stops. Shortness of breath stops. I like this verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You think that applies to cigarettes? I do. You think that applies to the the clams I like to eat? I do. Absolutely I do. In fact, diet and what I put in this mouth is one of the hardest temptations. It's gone. I didn't have to think it. It's right there. Gone. You didn't see it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is another good one. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? Do you believe that or is God a liar? Is his word lying to us this morning? But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I think all of us could probably attest to something we thought we'd never be able to get past 
And we don't think about it today. Not even a little bit. It's, it's back there, rearview mirror. But at the time, but he's given us a way of escape. Are there other Bible health principles still practical today? Well, we could go on and on and on, but just to name a few. Moral living prevents sexual diseases, not to mention a world full of hurt and carnage relationally. Hatred and bitterness are detrimental to one's health. Lots of studies about that. It's right here in Scripture. When I hang on to something, when I'm bitter about something, it ruins my health. I need to forgive. I need to let these things go. I need to say, Lord, you are the judge. Forgiveness frees me from that prison that I'm in. You got all those verses? I know you were right, and I was trying to go on just for you, Alicia. Okay, overeating is harmful. Proverbs 23, 2. Our bodies need proper rest. Here's another one that we're just blowing out of the water, aren't we? We can stay on these devices all night long. First thing in the morning. I mean, we just don't go to bed. We're, people are falling asleep in front of the TV more than they ever were before. That didn't used to happen. You know the expression, they're burning the candle at both ends. That's the only way you could stay up was with candles. That was expensive. And so, whew, blow it out. Let's go to bed with the sun. Not anymore. 11 o'clock, 11.30, 12. I'm getting hungry again. What do you feel like? Clams and rat sandwiches. Mmm. With the pickled tail? Yep. Well, we can't just eat it here in the kitchen. That's boring. Let's go watch something. All right. Our bodies need proper rest. A positive attitude is good medicine. I had a friend at the seminary. Hey, why don't you all come over after church today? Okay, what do you want us to bring? A good attitude. At first I was like, what is that supposed to mean? He just tells everybody that. Just bring a good attitude. It's not so bad. Sometimes I wish people would leave their food at home and just bring a good attitude instead. Powerful. Parents' habits affect children. We see that in Scripture. There's all kinds of stuff about that. Who are children watching? Kids, don't do what I do, do what I say. Well, you can say that, but it's not going to work. They need to see you do it too. So the title of this message, so why are you Seventh-day Adventists so obsessed with health? I mean, what is the big deal? Church is about the gospel, the everlasting gospel, the blood that Jesus shed for me. Why are we talking about pork? I mean, come on. Well, for the simple reason that many are suffering from things that are fully and completely preventable. And if it was not important at all, it wouldn't be here at all. Is it true? Is it the main thing? No, it's not the main thing. But let me tell you, when you're sick in bed and you can't get out of bed, and when you're in pain, has anybody had the flu and it's a bad flu and you can't move? And there was that time that you thought it worked. I wouldn't mind taking a sick day and sitting on the couch and, you know, napping a little bit. And then it comes and you say, Lord, have mercy. I never imagined it would be like this. I mean, you're hurting and you're thinking, I just want to die. How much can you accomplish when you're sick? Nothing. People are having to wait on you when you're sick. How much ministry can you do when you're sick? None. Somebody else has to do the ministry for you. How many people can? Now, granted, you can be in a hospital situation and, and even... You know, you follow all these methods, you can still get sick. I understand it happens. It's not a judgment of God. But if we follow these health principles, we can avoid all kinds of stuff. And yes, you can witness to the people that are helping you in the hospital, all those things, but you're still very limited in what you can do. Never mind the fact, how can we be salt and light if we're six feet under? In the Old Testament, God made a wonderful promise to ancient Israel concerning their health. It's in Exodus 15, 26. He said, if thou wilt diligently hearken the voice of the Lord thy God. We could say, if you just listen to what I tell you in my word, and will do that which is right in his sight, 
and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. He says, look, if you just follow the owner's manual, you're not going to experience anything near what everybody else is going to experience. Is that something I want to pay attention to? Absolutely, it's something I want to pay attention to. Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. God says, my people won't have to deal with all these other diseases because they're not eating all that garbage. They're not putting those things in their bodies. They're avoiding those stimulants. They're drinking lots of water. They're getting lots of rest. They're going to church. They're spending time in the word. They're not harboring bitterness. And by doing all of those things, they'll be blessed. Dr. David from Manchester University, he did a study through hieroglyphics to look at the lifestyle of the Egyptians. Kind of interesting. You know, he's Rosalie. She is cut into a mummy. Generally overweight, high-fat diet, drank a lot of alcohol, ate pork roasted a lot of the time, which was super high in fat content, had a lot of uh, sugary foods in their diet. Many led immoral lives was kind of the conclusion of their study. Autopsy on Egyptian pharaoh Ramses II, almost completely clogged arteries, as you see there in the picture. Probably died of a massive heart attack. What a specimen with his heart disease and arthritis. This is what we're looking at for, for pharaoh Ramses II. Why? Because he has this opulent lifestyle and he's eating whatever he wants to. If it tastes good, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. I'm going to enjoy it. And it's what took him out. Ended his life early. Dr. Claude Rufus did x-rays on 14,000 mummies. They had heart disease, cancer, arthritis, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, rheumatism, STDs. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. How about this little fact? 80% of cancer is potentially preventable with the best diet and lifestyle. 80% of cancer is preventable? Is it ethical for me to not tell you if I know of a cure of 80% of all cancer, and it's not me, it's found right here in God's Word. What would a God be like that didn't tell me? Not very nice, especially if you've known somebody that suffered through cancer. Now, again, I'm not saying that everybody here that's ever had cancer, well, you didn't follow the eat and diet. We live in a sinful world. Sickness happens, right? But if there's something that's preventable that I can do, I'm interested. Heart disease worldwide is the number one killer in developing nations. Healthy lifestyle living including a plant-based diet, decreases the risk of heart disease by 86%. Almost just like goes away. And what are the major elements of a healthy lifestyle? Plant-based diet, as chosen by our Creator. Get plenty of exercise and open air. Don't smoke. Abstain from alcohol, caffeine, illicit drugs. Maintain a healthy weight. And trust God for optimal physical, mental, and spiritual health. And Bible study. Don't get me started about how Bible study helps the whole body. We are spiritual beings too. And when we feed on his word, when we have the peace that passes all understanding in all things, in all aspects of life, you better believe that impacts our health. Well, I'm just stressed about, you don't need to be stressed. Give it to the Lord. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Do you believe that? beautiful verse. You've seen this magazine about the secrets of living longer. I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but researchers studied a group of Seventh-day Adventists who ranked among America's longevity all-stars. They have a high rate of sen... Anyway, they live 100-year-olds. Suffer a fraction of diseases that common people in other parts of the developed world and enjoy more healthy years of life. 
And I would say the years that they have are more enjoyable because they're not throwing up every morning and every night. Sometimes we kill ourselves by the inch. If you don't have your health, you don't have how much? Is there truth to that? There really is. And so if we're in good health, God says, great, I got more for you to do. That's why it's a big deal. Because if we don't have our health, a lot of other stuff goes out the window too. But if we have our health, he can say, I want you to be a missionary. I want you to be a pastor. I want you to be a teacher. I want you to be a nurse. I want you to minister in your business. I want you to minister while you're working on the car. I want you to minister to the bank teller. I want you to do all these other things. Two stories, and then we're done. A man we'll call Tim was a patient of one of our doctors here in Hendersonville. He was married, had children, enjoyed his work. He wasn't a drinker, but he liked to smoke. His diet was a typical American diet. And so he went to our doctor here. He was examined. The diagnoses were found and discussed. And Tim had no symptoms to speak of, but was found to have hypertension, high cholesterol, metabolic syndrome, and early stages of emphysema. So he was encouraged. Stop smoking. It's not good for you. Adopt a healthier lifestyle. Initially, Tim was concerned. However, he forsook his better judgment and chose to carry on with his usual lifestyle par for the course oftentimes. As time passed, he developed diabetes and began needing to take insulin. He developed diabetic neuropathy. He began to be tired and develop back pain. The back pain proved to be a spread of cancer to his spine. Tim had to leave the job he loved. He was not able to provide his usual employment for the care of his family. Oncology treatments continued and Tim became weak, permanently unemployed, disabled, and limited in his activities. Does this sound worth it? Cancer has taken its toll as well as diabetes, high blood pressure, and damaged lungs. Tim continued to follow up with his oncologist and family physician, but today he still needs insulin. And at the age of 61, Tim is quite miserable and is really hoping for a different life, a better life. 61, that's not that old. If only he could turn the, the clock backwards to a better day, to better choices, to pursue life and health and life more abundantly. If only he would have come to many medical schools. Another man we'll call Mike. Mike enjoyed his marriage and his friends, his work. He also enjoyed alcohol and tobacco and eating whatever he wanted to eat. He also came to the office to check out his health. Recommendations were made. He considered these, but chose to put things off for another day. Manana. Unfortunately, his health rapidly declined. He found himself in the emergency room. Minutes later, he was placed on a ventilator to support his life. For more than a week, his life hung in the balance. And the Christian physician who attends his church prayed for him in his recovery. But this doctor shares with me, I didn't really expect this person to live. It did not look good. However, Mike recovered, much to the surprise of the staff taking care of him. Returning to the office after leaving the hospital, it was evident that Mike was a diabetic with high cholesterol, triglycerides, hypertension, heart disease, emphysema, anemia, and severe congestive heart failure. This doctor encouraged Mike to pursue a new life, a new lifestyle, and a walk with God. That's the full picture, by the way. Mike began to attend church. He attended one of our Daniel fasts that teaches the benefits of the diet found in the Garden of Eden. Mike embraced these new ideas and chose to become a vegetarian. I wish Mike was here and we could interview him. He might be here. Anyway, I imagine it wasn't easy. I need food. But he chose. He made a choice. He quit smoking. He quit drinking. He even quit caffeine. Mike has found fellowship with study of the Bible, with God's holy word, and pursuing healthy lifestyle and the care for his body. Today, he is on no medications for diabetes. And he's enjoying a remarkably impro- a remarkable improvement in the health of his body and his soul. 
and he gives all the glory to God. Isn't that what God wants for us? Does God like to see us suffer? Does he like to see us in pain? Absolutely not. Mike has found a true friend in Jesus Christ. Today, Mike is mentally and physiologically younger than he has been in many decades. Mike found a new life through the simple health principles of God's Word. That's the point. We serve a God of love, a God of compassion, a God who created and formed us, and He knows. He doesn't guess. He knows what's good for us and what's not good for us. Whether you, therefore, you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Another verse, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou must prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. That's the, the longing, I believe, of God's heart. That's what we see throughout God's Word. And so why are Seventh-day Adventists so obsessed? Because we want all to enjoy good health. Yes, there'll still be challenges. Yes, we live in a sinful world. Yes, we still need hospitals. All of these things. But if it's preventable, if it's here in God's Word, if the Creator gave it to us, then it must be important. I said, for you were bought with a price at the beginning, 1 Corinthians 6.20. Talked about how the human body is worth $45 million if you pick it apart. But friends, we weren't bought with paper money. 1 Peter 1.18 and 19 says, We were not bought with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What is that worth? What value can be placed upon any single one of us if Jesus was willing to die in our place? And why did he do that? So we wouldn't have to. So we could have life and have it more abundantly. Not just on this earth, not just for this time, but on into eternity. And when we enjoy better health, we can better understand his word. Our minds are clearer. We're more open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We can go where he wants us to go. We can do what he wants us to do. And it's just as a simple recognition, does God in fact have my best interest at heart? He does. So will you trust him? Will you trust him with something as foundational and basic as your health? We could ask it on other things too. Will you trust him with finances, with your problems? Will we surrender our plans to him? But this morning, will you trust him with your health? If you don't pass all this sugar through your body, this is the average one year. If you don't do it this way and you do it God's way, you will experience life and life more abundantly. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this owner's manual that you have given to us that helps us with any and every aspect of our lives if we'll simply pick up and read the manual. Lord, help us to follow the things that we find in Scripture. Help us to simply say, Lord, I see it. Now by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, help me to do it. For your honor, for your glory, and for our benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.